welcome to our podcast, All The Things. And we are here to talk about all the things. Faith, politics, race, gender. All the things that have been off the table. We're going to talk about those things. Again, welcome to All The Things. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, everyone. I'm Fernell Miller. I'm Dr. Jen Self. And I'm Erin Jones. And y'all, those of you that can't see this, you're missing out. You're missing out because the video is everything right now. Um, I just want to cry. I'm laughing so hard. Ha! Huh, you were here for all the things. And we have a special guest today who's joining us. My dear friend, can you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Milagros Thompson. <laughs> awesome! We're not whatever to talk about we are talking about the mental health of our youth again and continuing to talk about it because that's apparently what everybody is is talking about it without actually doing any work or resolve or uh, support that is meaningful and getting to them with any um, weight distance breath compassion compassion we're missing some key and simple things and so I wanted Milagros here um, to help us tease that out look at it and then give us ways to actually do what kids need they are asking they've said it they're begging for it and we're not hearing it in the way that they need it delivered to them with them and around them so let's get into it thank you for being here Milagros tell us what school or, or not school Tell us your background experience and share with us how you, your expertise comes to the light. Thank you. Sure, sure. So I'm currently a school counselor. Um, before though I've done that, this is going to be on my fourth year. But prior to that, I did 15 years with um, the ESD, working in homes, partnering with schools, outside agencies, juvenile detention. I did a lot with truancy court, so a lot with commissioners and um tuition officers to try to get kids, what are some of the barriers, academic barriers of why kids are not going to school? Um, and so I thought, hey, now I know why kids are not going, let me be an asset for them to go. Um, the myth is that kids are not going to school because they don't want to go. And that's mm, not true. Not true at all. There's so many elements that are out of sight of their control of why they're not going to school. And so um, learned a lot in those 15 years, you can imagine. Um, and decided to come into the system to see if I can help since I have all that other knowledge. Mm -hmm. Here. So powerful, so needed. Thank you so much. I just sat with a circle of black and brown kids who are excited to be back in their social group. They want to be at school. They're making new friends, so proud of them. And yet they all said, you know what? I wish I could go back online. I feel so much safer. Mm. at home, safer in my home environment, safer with my um, parent, with people who actually know me and listen to me, um, with all of the pull of social life that that youth need and want, they're hurting so bad that they want to be at home. Yeah. So, so yeah. what are we, why can't we get this right? What is, what is going on? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you think, um, Margaret, but it seems like to me that, I mean, I, I keep thinking as a therapist, I keep thinking this, this next year with youth just should be 
we should just be working with them around healing and, mm -hmm. and around socializing and like just dealing with what has happened and what what has been happening in this country and i don't know where erin went but hopefully she'll come back mm -hmm. um but all of everything they've been going through um all of, all of the racial trauma that they've been, they've been experiencing um all right. of the all of the stuff that's going on in schools all of the stuff that, around covid i don't know what are, what are you thinking no I, I i agree but i mean the system is not going to allow that to happen nope. um <laughs> but to go with fernell said in terms of kids all the enjoyment that they're having and in person the lack that they're missing with virtual is that they were in control when it was virtual they were able to schedule that meeting with that counselor or if they needed a break they can turn off their cameras while the teacher was talking to maybe go get something to drink or use the bathroom or even like for now with your um um with our, our youth they were able to join on if they wanted to so they had some they're in control a little bit more than when it when they're in an in-person brick and mortar they're told and ordered where to go, where to walk, how to stand, how to breathe, how to sit. And at home, they were able to make some choices. And be be in, be away with their self, their body, their environment that right. was um, not holding, having to measure up to white supremacy culture in a way. Mm -hmm. We talked about that with <clears throat> the pandemic. Um, a lot of my students were, you know, just in shock the first, you know, time being out of the constraints, the conformity, the tracking, the suspicion, the stalking, the, all of that, that follows them, the weight of that, um, mm -hmm. walking around. And then we're trying to learn math uh, mm -hmm. as we're doing that. And so in the pandemic and then being at home and being that, that weight is set aside. It's like, it's not there. Right. And so they get to breathe for the first time. And so now they're going back into these spaces and their breath is taken away. As much as they want to be there, it's just they're holding their breath because there's so much microaggressing. There's so much um, uh, uh, presuming and stalking and assuming, and they're giving no space to just talk about it or even tell about it. And then when incidents happen, they go and try to get help and then they're not believed. And then, and this is what the, right. one of the situations was today is like, they don't have anywhere to even report it. Yeah. They'll, they'll take it to a, a counselor or an office or, 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 or something. And then it's like, that's dismissed. And so the dehumanizing continues. So they have no voice, they have nowhere to go. And so now the spiral is even, you know, tighter and deeper. And then, and then you say to them, we'll go talk to the counselor. <laughs> Well, right. But we not be the problem, so they have to go talk to the counselor. Mm -hmm. But we start there. And how many of us are experiencing those same things? So I think about Milagros. Just we've been on this journey for the last year, right? Um, mm -hmm. Even talking about the adults in the system who are marginalized, whether because of your gender identity or your racial identity, um, like everything that you just said for now. I'm hearing the same thing from my black and brown female friends. Like, I don't mm -hmm. want to go back to the office to work mm -hmm. because all of those things that you just described, mm -hmm. adults who look like us, the four of us, are experiencing the very same things. And yet we have degrees and we have some capacity to speak on our own behalf and we Can have children. So we've had to walk through some things. We have some efficacy that children don't have. And it's still hard for us even. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. I saw the virtual for students as like an equal playing field. Yeah. For adults. 
right? Sometimes they were they were even like out beating the adults because some adults had so much trouble with the technology. And so I can, I mean, to go from feeling minute to now equal or sometimes even above to now back to you're that kid getting that classroom. I mean, how does that even affect the kids just even mental developmental pieces of throughout these two years like it's crazy of what we're expecting kids to bring forth today and like for example my son who's first grade he's never had a year of normalcy I mean what was really normalcy but of the the old um so just the expectations are are unrealistic yeah. And with and with that, Milagros, your your son first grade has had a year of nurturing and empowerment and feeling confident and c- comfortable, and then to go in, into an environment and have that ripped away and not mm-hmm. recognized and minimized and mm-hmm. um, pushed aside. So again, it's the system <laughs> that mm-hmm. wasn't built for us mm-hmm. that's uh, affecting us in such a way, and then uh, and on in on top of extenuating circumstances of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and racial pandemic that we've had in the last two years. And then we want kids to show up like two years ago, like everything's fine. Mm -hmm. We're not even addressing it. We haven't talked about it. We talk about the tornado more than we talk about what's happening in their lives and the tornado that's going on internally inside of us and making sense of that. So that's what the space, um, you know, that we're holding with our youth is they just want to show up to be together. They, they mm-hmm. need to see each other. That's their space where they feel their most, self, their most self and most alive and can advocate. They can talk about all these things that are happening at school and then problem solve with each other. They, they help each other um, document, figure it out and show up. And that's called empowerment. And there, there's just no room to do that mm-hmm. in, you know, in their, in their, you know, day as they go through the day and who are they going to do it with and who's going to help them with that empowerment when we're just trying to get them you know let's pass these tests let's get their test scores let's get your applications in let's let's then you have teachers that actually care and and have tried and made efforts and sometimes they're penalized because they're taking too much time on this kid or they brought something into the building that they didn't buy for everyone or um you know you're you're that's for the counselor. You're not supposed to know all that. Or, I mean, it's just, it's like, it's right. a double-edged sword sometime for, for teachers that really want to give the time for these kiddos and they get reprimanded by administration or their colleague because now that kid likes them more than the other. I mean, it's just, it's, it's ludicrous because well, um, we're just missing the centerpiece, which is the, these kiddos, these babies. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that sounds like a lot of your story. <laughs> Mm-hmm. being pushed out for being too supportive mm-hmm. right and, ki- and kids wanting to actually talk to an adult <laughs> right. with respect how about that because kids right. talk to adults all the time but it's a difference the way they talk to different adults yeah mm-hmm. yeah well that's a th- I mean that's a theme all the way all the way through education is teachers and staff who align with students get pushed out mm-hmm. Goodness, we wouldn't want anybody aligning with people who are like trying to make access to the, have access to education, right? right. Yeah. You know, you were, when you were talking about um, uh, about brown and black students having this experience of 
like actually like um, having kind of a, a leg up on adults. What I was thinking was when that, when you have something like that, when you have that kind of experience of, of like empowerment and freedom in a way that you hadn't before in a, in a situation, in a, in an experience, in a system, and then it goes back to this place. It's such a, it's a, it's a bigger loss, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's bigger loss. And then I think about all of us and the things that we're trying to create for these students and how, how critical, like how critical you are Milagros and how critical we are now, because that loss is felt so tremendously because they had this thing and now it's gone and, mm -hmm. and they really need something to, to say, I know I have this power. I just had it. I just was living it. And so, yeah. They lost on both sides, but they lost the, the virtual space. Yep. And then now they go back into the building and you can't hug Miss Thompson anymore. You can't, um, you know, eat the same, you know, we can't eat off each other's lunches or we can't, we can't do the things that we normally did. So they feel like they, they lost twice. Yeah. And there's some, there's some staff that feel the same way of, yeah. I love seeing them, but I can't see them or they have their own internal fears of, oh, that kid is too close to me. That kid is too close to me. And they just, you know, I know some, some educators that are like, they wear two masks, a face shield, like they are paranoid to go into a school building and they, they just lost all their, their passion for what they love is, is these kiddos and yeah. giving that, that empathy and that support. They, they don't know how to do it anymore. Now they have to like retrain themselves. Or how do I show I care about this kid without hugging them? Right. <laughs> yeah. They're crying. Yeah. I can't even hug their, I can't even rub their back and they're crying right now. So. Yeah. It's back to something that came up in the equity fishbowl mm -hmm. just now. <clears throat> I, I really thought, and I didn't say this in equity fishbowl, but I said it yesterday somewhere. I really thought with the pandemic, especially after the first month, that we would see more humanity in people. Mm. Like I thought better of us as a country. I thought it was gonna be kind of like 9-11 that we were going to come together and really be more compassionate for one another because this thing was so scary and big and kind of the opposite happened. Like I have witnessed less humanity and it's almost like we're having to fight to care about humanity. And that just seems so strange to me um, that in this moment when so much is up in the air and this moment when we desperately need each other, it's almost, there's this push from humanity to distance ourselves. And that always benefits whiteness. Mm. Um, that pushing away from humanity always, like it's the bootstraps thing. It's the I'm independent mm. spirit thing. It's the freedom thing it's the manifest destiny like it's all of that pushing away from people is what and i those that are listening i'm not <laughs> talking about white skin i'm talking about whiteness as a political social construct so I'm not saying every white person is that i'm saying that this construct um but the other thing that i you made me think milagros and because you worked at the same school where i used to teach many years ago as a teacher first always i think about when I was a really good teacher was when I didn't see myself as the boss, when mm -hmm. I saw myself as a facilitator of learning, mm -hmm. as I'm more of like a, a conductor, more like an orchestra conductor leading, but they're doing all the work, not mm -hmm. me. Like I'm doing one little thing, but really my job is to 
to help students see their potential and to connect them to opportunities to learn, but it's not my job to be the sage on the stage. I think what's happened right now is that dehumanizing has sent teachers back to the sage on the stage mm -hmm. because that's what's comfortable and secure and I can do that. I don't really know how to let students be in charge of their learning and oh, talk about Black Lives Matter. Like I don't know how to manage that. So I'm just gonna be the sage on the stage and tell you we're not talking about that today. I already have my lesson plan, right? And so I just, all these things are connecting for me as you're talking the law grows in. Mm -hmm. um, it's about control. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you see the visual right now and our eyes rolling how far back. Mm -hmm. um, yes. One thing I, I learned this, well, James Lehman, and you know, we love James. Hi, James. Um, physical distancing is a term that I use now instead of social distancing. I'm using mm -hmm. social connection because that's what we need to do. Build community, social connection. We might need to keep some physical distance but we are going to socially connect in these ways mm -hmm. and, i like that and mm -hmm. i love that um i heard yeah. some on a uh, i forget a radio show talking about opening acute centers of community mm -hmm. um, meaning sp specialized places where we can handle small um uh, services mm -hmm. and you know in a school again we've got how many counselors how many you know psychologists how many you know, like I, that's not working. It never has worked before. And so now, now that we need more services and help. And oh, yeah. one counselor to every 400 students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not even. And yeah, I just, fair, not even fair. I just started teaching the, um, this weekend, my, the history and intellectual foundations and social work. And actually just made me think about all of the ways that social work started in like black community and Latinx community and Asian communities where it's like sitting with the sitting with the sick or um, or like the the clubs, the Asian clubs that were just all about like serving um, Asian men who came here and just the, all of those clubs and ways of, of doing um, things in the community that still happen in all of those communities. But but like that kind of thing that you're talking about, like those kinds of like community um, community spaces where we're doing more and more and more of those were smaller for for these kinds of uh, kids and stuff and it seems like a really good idea right it's a certain type of person to facilitate those social spaces yeah for sure. once again we have to have the children lead it and an adult has to realize that this is not about you mm -hmm. you're just there making sure everyone's safe quote unquote physically <laughs> Um, and facilitating ways to advocate for yourself and, and tell your truth because a lot of students don't know how to tell their truth. They've been told, we don't want to hear about that or, or I don't believe you. Yeah. They've been shown they're not believed. So not everybody can just make up a social space for youth. It's, it's the special person, special quality, special understanding yeah. of what they need. That's for sure. I wonder, you talked about safety, quote unquote safety. And I love that. I love that because you talked about something similar to that earlier. And I, I want to dig into that a little bit because, um, because we've got three building folks on this call, but also Jen, I would assume at the university, there's the same conversation about safety that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. 
Mm-hmm. Often when schools talk about safety, we're doing like drills mm-hmm. for like active shooter drills. And we call that safety. And mm-hmm. I would argue that if there's, I mean, that's the least thing I'm worried about when yeah. it comes to students. Right. I'm not saying I don't care about that at all, but I am saying for me, when I talk about safety, like that's not at all what I'm talking about. So I'm curious to be like for you. When you talk about air quotes, safety, <laughs> why the air quotes and what does safety really mean to you? Exactly what you said. I mean, people think immediately physically safety. So a social group, like make sure nobody's fighting anybody, but that's not what we're, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying emotional safety. Um, a lot of black and brown students emotionally don't even know how to express what they're feeling for one. And when they do find the energy to express it, vocally most people find it aggressive or combative or you know they need to discipline them now because they spoke out of turn or they didn't say the right word or use the verb before the noun or whatever um and a lot of times you're missing what the kid is saying there's so many times i have kids come in my office close the door i tell them this is your space say you can curse whatever you need to do because i'm listening um, I know they're not hearing you because all they heard was the F-bomb and the B-word, but I heard you say, oh, this person disrespected you. Okay, that's what you're feeling versus, you know, the curse words. So I, I use the word safety in air quotes because um, just people, unfortunately, take um, what's outside of the white cultural norm as something that's negative something that's bad something that like ebonics is really a language and people make it seem like these kids are just broken english and it's like you're like there's there's more to it than that and so safety for me means just i want every student to feel like they can be themselves without having to put up a guard or filter I had a principal call me right before class today. So right before fishbowl, I had a principal call me, not going to say from where. Um, and it's actually not somebody that I think any of you know, but um, this principal, and I just, I kind of, I want to share this because I want to encourage, if you're a principal, I want to honor this principal for even calling me. She knew that she had done something wrong. She knew she showed up to one of her black students on Friday at the football game wrong. She knew it instinctively. Mm -hmm. She didn't know how she showed up wrong, but she knew for sure she showed up wrong. And so she called and described the situation. And I said, do you realize, so I grew up in a white home, even though I'm black, I grew up with white people. So I know white people stuff really well. I know white (laughs) middle-class ways of being, I'm an expert. I can do them, but I also came to understand how black children, because my husband is black and I lived in an all black community. I taught in an all black community for a long time. And one of the things around respect that is so significantly different between the white community and the black community is that white children are taught anyone in authority, you just automatically respect them. For black children, for good reason, (laughs) um, just because you're an authority figure does not mean you automatically get someone's respect. Mm -hmm. They need to earn it. And I learned that as a teacher, like I didn't, even though I was black. I did not automatically earn till I had to earn it. I had to work at it to get their respect. And I learned to really appreciate that. Like, man, you should work as a teacher, you should work to build relationship and earn children's respect. And one of the things I shared with this principal, I said, I wasn't there on Friday. I didn't see how it happened, but I suspect because I know you and I know your culture that you probably stepped into this child and you raised your voice. 
And she said, yeah, how did you know? I said, because that's how white people do stuff. Mm -hmm. White people in authority step into a child and guess what? What you just Mm -hmm. did there is you invited him to a fight. Mm -hmm. You invited him to a fight. So I bet he responded in kind, didn't he? And she's like, oh my gosh, Aaron, you read my mail. And I said, because his culture and yours (laughs) are totally different. I wanna wanna offer, so any principal listening, this is what I told this principal. I said, next time, you want to discipline a black child or you want to tell them what they did wrong, take a step back yes. and lower your voice. Yes. Step away from them. And, and she was like, oh my gosh, I had never. And so here's what I want to say that respect does not look the same in every culture. Mm-hmm. And I honor that principle for calling me and saying, Erin, I know I messed this up. I don't even know what I did wrong, but I, and she walked away like brokenhearted because she knows she messed up. But she also walked away with a new tool that she can mm-hmm. use for the future. And, and I think sometimes we do assume because they use a certain word, they use the B word, the F word. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that child's so disrespectful. No, they're just using language that is different from what is acceptable in your house. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's disrespecting you. Anyway, but I just want to throw that out, Milagros, because it so reminded me of how you described mm-hmm. that child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just even on top of that, there's another layer to that too with with white folks going towards um, students of color. It's the way they try to, uh, you know, talk the same, not even talk the same language, but um, try to will them in with a topic that, and it just sounds <laughs> these disingenuous. So, you're right, these kids are so smart, they'll go with it. They're like, uh huh, okay. But it's just, it's not genuine. It, it seems forced. And as we know, kids can read right through that. So, yeah. Genuine and authentic. <laughs> and we can't ask kids to do that or, or hold space for them to do that if we are not doing that ourselves. And they can tell the difference. I mean, that, that's, that's the beauty of youth. They get to see the world as it actually is. It's us adults who have years and layers of <laughs> um, filter to as, as our lens. And so that's why when kids speak and, and we grasp and clutch our pearls, it's like they didn't, <laughs> they didn't say anything to hurt us. They just said what they, they are watching us do, how the world actually is. And mm. they are mirror. So if you're gasping at what kids are doing or seeing, I'm like, you know, you need to look at look at yourself give yourself a little <laughs> glance here and go what what feel, what am i doing that's making making me respond like that um and yeah the respect is huge um the youth that remember aaron when we did the podcast with the youth they said we we just were taught you know to listen to you know any adult and she says i we didn't the youth said we don't even didn't even realize what real respect is and how um by having authentic relationship with adults in our space that they learned the difference between just being obedient or compliant mm-hmm. and then really being respected and honored and and respecting um, an adult and the difference between that and how clear um, it was when, you know, when they talked about it, listen to their podcast about it, um, the Root of Our Youth podcast at the end yeah. of the year, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I I just add one more thing. 
I told you, those, those of you who've never seen me before, I am a six foot tall black woman with an Afro who was not raised by black people. And I tried in my first experience to try to be black like the kids in my urban community in Philadelphia. And that did not work. And like Milagro said, kids can sniff you out right away. And so then I spun into, well, oh my gosh, I can't be like them. Maybe I can't teach them. But what I learned is, man, if you're just your authentic self, however you show up, if you're right. just authentic, I would tell kids, okay, here's why I don't talk like you. I can bow like you, but here's why I don't mm-hmm. talk like you. Here's why I don't dress like That's you. Right. And once I was just real with students, they're like, oh, okay, Miss Jones, we take you just as you are. Right. And they absolutely, every time, every time, I didn't have to talk like them. I didn't have to dressed like them, they would come ask me questions about, oh, tell us about Switzerland, tell us about France. (laughs) Um, And that became this fun thing. But when I tried to be quote unquote black like them, it felt icky to me and it felt icky to them. Mm -hmm. And then they felt like, okay, if you're gonna lie to us about this, what else are you lying about? about. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's exactly. So just do you, however you show up, wherever Mm -hmm. you were raised, wherever you're born, if you're born, middle-class white or wealthy white and you're now working in an urban school like do you be Mm -hmm. authentically yourself and students will see that and they'll appreciate they may not get you right away because it took a while for my students to get like where's the Netherlands what huh we don't know what that is (laughs) um it took them a while but um just do you and over time that's what wins kids that's what black and brown children respect right is authenticity however that shows up right that is the myth that since I'm black, that all the black kids are going to want to talk to me. There's several black and brown kids that are like, I don't mess with Miss Thompson, <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that is that is definitely the myth of let me get a black counselor in my school, let me get a black, you know, mm. attendance secondary in my school, let me, I'll have a black vice principal now, so we're good. And sometimes that backfires even worse because <laughs> just because my skin color looks like them. Yes, they need to see someone that looks like them. I'm definitely saying representation matters, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's going to be a, a connection that's going <laughs> to click right away. My right. cred still above yours as a white woman, especially with the parents. My cred is still there, but that student mm-hmm. might take a little bit longer to get to fill me out and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, and the other thing is, I think that uh, a lot of white educators think that that's let, lets them off the hook. Like they don't have to then do anything. Like they don't have to learn about themselves or the way that they carry anything around, or they don't have to learn about communities or what it means to be respectful in communities or what. Can, and then, and that's not, no, that's <laughs> not, that's not what you get to do as a white educator. I mean, it, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I just think that's that's wrong. I love working with I, lo- I love working with BIPOC students when they choose to work with me. Mm. That's who I, I really like working with BIPOC students. And I also want to make sure that they have representation that they can of people that they can go to and feel mm. most comfortable with. Yeah, and so I used to tell because I did a lot of work in and districts that had all white staff, but did not have all white students and teachers would say, well, I can't relate. And I'm like that, you do not get to have that excuse. (laughs) You do not get to have that excuse. If you are waiting for a black person or a a Latina person to come around to meet the needs of all these students that don't look like you, 
It, we're not coming. We're not coming. Right, right. So you need to figure it out yourself. You need to do the work to figure out right. how do I connect with them? Like you exactly go to where they are. If they're all playing soccer outside football, you go play soccer with them. You may suck at it, but go to where they are and figure out what is it that moves them? What do they love to do? Find them there. And you don't get to have the excuse of, well, I'm not black, so I can't, you don't. Oh. And I'm a great example of that. I mean, I looked black on the outside and I culturally was not black at all. And so if I can do this work, white person, so can you, so can you. And you don't get to write your, I have worked hard 30 years I've invested in getting to know people who look like me. I'm married to a person who looks like me. I mean, this is not something that came to me just because my skin is brown and I have an Afro. I had to work at this and get into community and attend black churches and play basketball in the community center in the hood. And get uncomfortable. hang out on the hill. What? Get uncomfortable. Right. Well, yes. Well, yeah, and and black and brown teachers have been, you know, even demanded to work with white students all this time. So, like, what's the difference? I mean, come right, on. Right. <laughs> so, Hello, 40, 40 years in one of five black women in an entire school school district. Oh. I'm like, what do you think I'm doing here? I know. So, come on, white people, well, and get asked, on board. <laughs> I often ask, I said, who would do the equal and opposite response, you know, of what I've done? Like would you do that could you do that what would you could you even think of doing that right why why would i do that (laughs) come on anyway i'm just that is you know done i've never thought about it that way but like i've got a tweet about that i have to tweet about that tonight (laughs) like we are expected to know it all about everybody yes yeah without any doubt like no hesitation you better be able to teach the white children right? right That's right. That's the assumption. Mm-hmm. Although here's the other side of that. And I know this is a little bit off track, but it is appropriate here. When I ran for state superintendent, the assumption was you're only going to care about the black children. So we don't trust you because they're, they're, you're only going to care about yeah, the black children. Right. So that right. was an interesting so you can't, dynamic. You can't win. You know, you know, you know, white women, white people are not going to let black women win. So, right. So like you, you're running. And so we're going to say, oh, you're only going to care about black kids. But when you're teaching, we're going to say, oh, you got to know about everybody. So, but wait a minute. I'm not even going to go there. Am I even going to go there? No, come on. No, they say in the politics, they like, you got to get the black vote. But they, right. they, the white people got to get the black vote. Right. That's right. But, <laughs> just. See, didn't want to go there. Didn't want Coming to go there. and going and, and up and down is like, it's, it's impossible. <laughs> Again, y'all should see the video right now. <laughs> oh. No longer is yours. So, I'm so glad you're here. This is great. <laughs> yes. Yes. Best podcast ever. <laughs> yes, all the. I see you holding your tongue a little bit, Milagros. But I don't want to. Kill. You know, I'm, we're recorded, and I don't know who's listening. I'm trying to be trying to be PC here, professional. Just keep my keep my mouth shut. Woo. Okay, okay. So that's why we needed some space to talk about all these. Yeah. Thank for you sure. for being here. No, thank you for inviting. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you All so right. much, Morris. See you next time. Bye. Wrap it up. Bye, everyone.
find Fernell Miller, look for her at The Root of Us on Facebook and Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. And check out her book, You Are Here, Field Guide for Racial Reality, on the website. If you want to reach Dr. Jensa, you can find them on LinkedIn or at rick13.com. If you're looking for Erin Jones, you can find her on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can also purchase a copy of her book she co-authored, Thrive, on Amazon. Until next time, keep talking about all the things.